Hey, my friends, thank you for joining me for another episode of Real Live Talk. I'm so pumped that you're here to check out this conversation with Chad Johnson. Chad is back on the podcast for the second time. Let me tell you a little bit about Chad. He's a man who's had a tremendous impact on the underground music scene, particularly in the Christian and hardcore uh, heavy music scene. In the late 90s and early 2000s, he operated the record label Take Hold Records, where he signed many influential bands such as Under Oath, Further Seems Forever, and 238. That label was acquired by Tooth and Nail Records in 2002, where Chad stayed on as their A&R director for a number of years. He's the creator behind Furnace Fest, a legendary music festival from the early 2000s that's recently been revived and in a couple of months here going into their second year in a row. Additionally, he's the founder of Come and Live, which is a nonprofit organization that partners with musicians and artists to foster community, provide guidance and accountability, all with the aim of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. He's also done extensive missionary work in some of the most impoverished places on the planet. I also just recently found out that he wrote a book called 1000 Risks, Fighting Fear for an Awesome, Awkward Life with Jesus. And I literally just found out about it, and so I haven't gotten too far into it, but what I've read so far, I'm absolutely loving, and uh, I think you'll really get a lot out of it. You can check it out on Amazon.com. And uh, yeah, so for this conversation, we did spend a little bit of time doing some updates on Furnace Fest and just some things that we're looking forward to and stuff like that. Also, getting into some cryptocurrency stuff uh, for a few minutes, and then the real crux of the conversation uh, shifted when we started talking about Chad's past and how he came to know the Lord and really begin his journey with God. And he shares, just really opens up and, and shares in a really real and raw way about some of the uh, struggles with addiction and things like that um, that he's had and just the process of the Lord in his life, just walking him through healing and how he's partnered with the Holy Spirit in his life and how he helps other people to walk through the journey of of healing and addiction recovery with others as well. And so I think there's a ton of value in this conversation. I super enjoyed uh, just hearing Chad's heart and again, his openness and authenticity and transparency when he shares. It's super refreshing. And I think the way that he talks about these issues, it's really, really helpful to anybody that might be struggling with an addiction as well. And uh, just a quick disclaimer here, I, I know that you might not expect, if you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you might not expect for there to be like super colorful language, and so just want to let you know, around the 56th or 57th minute or something like that, there is an F-bomb dropped. Uh, Chad told me I could take it out, but I just decided to leave it in. But I did want to let you know, <laughs> just in case that's something that could be offensive to you. But I do appreciate you guys, and I so appreciated Chad for his time. Now, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with the one, the only, Chad Johnson. All right. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. So good to see you guys. Thanks for joining us. If you're watching live or listening on one of the podcast platforms later on, however it is that you're checking out this episode, really, really appreciate you for taking the time to be here. It truly, truly means the world to me. So thank you so much. And uh, today it's round two with Chad Johnson. Chad, yeah, dude, how so you doing, brother? I'm good. It's nice to it's nice to have had round one, you know, have to to have survived round one and uh, dive <laughs> diving in around two. It's it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, how's your life, man? How how crazy are things right now? Just uh, as things are starting to, I guess, zero in on getting closer. Yeah. Final months here before Furnace yeah, Fest and all that. How's I, I, how's I was, everything? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you asking. Um, I was walking our our eight month old puppy this morning my, with my wife <laughs> and. Uh, and I was just kind of complaining to her because she's so she's she's does such an incredible job of listening to my complaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I know she loves it too, but uh, but it uh, <laughs> I was just Love telling it. her, you know, how it feels like we're we're in that final. Um, I don't even know if it's like we're not in the eye of the storm. We're just kind of mm. like in the storm or maybe about to be in the storm uh, of really what's like the 90 day pre-festival uh, mm. takeoff. And, um, and it right from right here, you know, it feels, it feels uh, in full transparency. It feels very chaotic. It feels really um, kind of like loose. You, like you just don't know how it's all going to come together. There's still so many moving parts and missing pieces that, 
it's hard to envision a a complete um i don't know like kind of kind of presentation and uh yeah. and yet somehow yeah. in the next a uh, hundred and some days it will all take shape. And, uh, I, I just got to keep, man, I got to keep praying, you know, I got to keep giving it, surrendering it to God and, uh, entrusting the whole thing to him because, uh, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my only strategy. That's, that's gonna, yeah. it's gonna win in the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, that's a good strategy. It's like, yeah. it's like, it doesn't always make sense, right? It's like, the Lord instructing Israel to send out their harp players and stuff into battle first. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but, uh, uh, there's not a whole lot of common sense there from a, yeah. at least from a modern, uh, cultural perspective. So, um, or maybe even from an ancient cultural perspective, but yeah, I don't think it made way, sense to them either, yeah. but <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so there's no way I this feel... is a good idea, God, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I feel thankful, you know, last year was was originally just meant to be a one off. And uh, I feel really thankful mm. to have the, this opportunity to to go again. And uh, uh, yeah, a little overwhelming, but that's, that's yeah. kind of uh, comes with the territory. So yeah. just before we jump into some uh, some stuff, man, uh, I wanted to I wanted to get into some stuff that we didn't really get a chance to talk about last time, which is kind of involved with your little bit more of your background. I'm super interested to know about how you got started on this whole journey with Jesus and uh, the, the work that you've done in missions and with, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. But uh, before we jump into that kind of stuff, is there are there any any updates or anything like that on Furnace Fest that you uh, you know, I know last time you were here, there was still a little bit of of mystery. Yeah. shrouding furnace fest and since then we've had the reveal of sunny day real estate which is like yeah. pretty incredible and uh anything anything else that uh i know you i you know i don't i'm again not trying to get you in trouble or anything but, no, <laughs> but no, is there no, no trouble any, anything no trouble going on required. that we need to talk about um yeah I, I it's you know it's funny i guess i guess i'll say mm -hmm. this to you just because it's i feel like i'm having a conversation with a friend that one of the you know, one of the interesting ways that that a festival comes together, or at least it did last year, was that we had so many shifts in um, in artists kind of lineup, uh, sort of, I don't know, how, just how it all came together. Like, like the yeah. last few months because of COVID, um, quite a few artists were not able to, to join in. And uh, so then it just meant we were scrambling to to find replacements. And, uh, while I don't, I, I have no reason to anticipate that same kind of dilemma this time around, because it's such, we're in such a different space, thankfully. And, um, I just, yeah, I don't, don't envision that, but I have mm -hmm. uh, what I'm kind of the blessing in disguise from that season is that it kind of allowed us an opportunity to, to be, to, even though it was on one hand disappointing, it was also like a, Hey, surprise, there's, there's like a new band. And in some cases people were, at least some people were thankful that, that the band they got was, you know, was, was stronger maybe than the one that, that couldn't make it, you know, and, and yeah. uh, I won't say which ones those were, but, sure. um, but there were definitely some, some, uh, some time. So I've been thinking between us, I've been thinking and everyone listening about, you know, do we consider a few last minute surprises, um, which as of, which as of right now are not, that's not even on the table. So we're done where the, the lineup's done. There are no, there's nothing like, uh, other than me just kind of like thinking about it. So, um, so I guess we'll find out, you know, what do you think? Should we, should we try to, <laughs> what should we add in a couple of last minute surprises? Or do you feel like it's, it's like, Hey man, you guys have, Dude, it's loaded, man. It's it's yeah. loaded. I, I don't I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know what to ask for, to be honest with yeah. you. Um it's that's good. I'm glad that's yeah. That's no, it's 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 pretty fantastic. I'll pay, I'll, pay. And, I'll I'll Venmo you later off off yeah. there. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh yeah. can I can I sh can I show you something that I'm like I'm super proud of, even though sure. I had zero to do with it? I'm super yeah. proud of this. So I'm gonna show this on the screen. So this looks like you can see this, right? So this yep. is this looks like an ordinary uh, Furnace Fest flyer here with yep, the bands throughout the three days. So I'm going to bring the same picture up here. 
And there's a gentleman circled in this photo, no which just way. happens to be just happens to be me in the photo. Oh, dude, that's incredible! <laughs> that's so crazy! Wow! Yeah. I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna open it up on my screen right now and just make sure that you didn't actually go in and uh it's not and, photoshopped and photo other than the yourself. red circle I, I can confirm you did not other, photoshop other than your the face <laughs> in the shot that's it's <laughs> hilarious because this photo like this little cropped image here is used in like yeah, a all ton of, of uh, like yeah. everything right a ton of publicity yep. and it, and i i must have looked at this a hundred times before i saw myself in it that's so um, funny but anyway that's, well I feel hey, like man, <laughs> that's I feel like that's Furnace Fest, you know, like little Easter eggs for everybody. And uh, and, and I wanted to make sure you got some, you know, you got some love out of the deal. So that's how man, man, what man, a... I appreciate it. Uh, you know, how, how many people do you think are going to come to Furnace Fest just because of that picture? Just because oh, I'm I mean, I mean, tens of thousands. And there's no <laughs> telling. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be ridiculous. We're going to have to we're going to we're going to have to hire more city police to hold them back. You know, it's going to require like, <laughs> the riot squad going to be, gonna gonna be, be you know, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Yeah, well, um, well, no, but but I, I know it wasn't intentional, <laughs> but thanks for letting me be a part. Yeah, of that's it. Yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, we're working on one of one of the I guess one of the surprises. It's kind of it's not necessarily related exclusively to this year's Furnace Fest, but we're working on a 200 page um, coffee table photo book um, mm. with uh, unoriginal vinyl who who are just, you know, they're 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 just so uh, in insanely uh <laughs> Uh, they're just they're just gifted you know like really really good at what they do and bringing packaging yeah. to life at a at a high level and a very um uh, what's the right word uh, uh very professional but very uh, attention to detail you know kind of kind of way so so that's cool so there's a lot of so my hunch is that you will probably find yourself in at least one, if not many of the, the photos, because it kind of en encompasses all of the five Furnace Fest years, um, you know, to, to, uh, to cover a lot of ground. So, yeah. Ho hopefully oh, you're man. hopefully you're in, on every single page that was my goal anyway. <laughs> that was the goal right yeah yeah just want to give the people what they want right yeah. right right we yeah. have to it's called that's that that's that's how you know you're doing festival promoting well every single human's gotten exactly what they wanted out of the, yeah. the lineup you know and the experience so. it's super reasonable it's a yeah. super reasonable request of course um Absolutely. well no that's super cool that you guys are doing that it's awesome and um yeah, man, thanks. it's just so crazy. The lineup is is killer. It's just uh, it's pretty incredible, and and I know it's kind of getting close to that crunch time season. But uh, how how do you feel? <laughs> yeah, my buddy just asked about royalties. Do I do I oh, get nice. uh, if I, <laughs> if yeah. uh, if more if more than seven people show up to Furnace Fest and express that they came just because they saw my photo, maybe maybe we can talk a royalty yeah, exactly. deal. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, for all for all ten thousand plus people, yeah, you can all ten thousand plus, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you we'll give you ninety percent of the uh, the face value of the ticket. Man, just It'll give it a, to me all in uh, in Doge, Bitcoin, or, uh, yeah, Doge, yeah, nice Bitcoin. Oh, Anything dude, we're Luna. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, were you in were you in Luna? I wasn't, man. I wasn't. Oh, thankfully, man. praise God, you're amazing. Were you? I was. Yes, Luna was my biggest holding. I thought I remember you telling me that last time you were here, and I was yeah, thinking man, about you. I, I was like, "Yeah, I, I feel bad because I had a lot." I um, I feel like the lesson that I learned in over the last year in in the crypto world is that I was an idiot for sure. Me too. For buying into the idea that hodling was was a smart move. And, uh, and I think like, I think that the HODL idea is actually just like, maybe if you, if you, if you really do have like a five to 10 year <clears throat> perspective and you really don't care if your account 10 X's and then a few months later goes right back to where you started or goes even lower than where you started. It, you know, if somehow you truly don't mind that happening um, and you have maybe an unlimited amount of uh, money to just buy dips all the time, 
and just right. keep adding. And you're like, oh man, I'm stacking Cardano. Like it's going out of style for the next 20 sure. years. Cause someday it's going to be worth, you know, I don't know, $18 a token or something. Then, then I guess <laughs> hodling probably does make sense. But had I just looked at all this from, from the perspective of a trader or just a normal mm -hmm. business transaction, you know, like I bought, I bought a, a, a vinyl and little did I know, but that vinyl increased by 10 times what I bought it for. Like maybe yeah. I ought to sell it, you know, and take my wife out on a nice date, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. uh, take my family on a vacation. Cause I, I had several vinyl that increased, you know, by 20%. So, so yeah, dude, I got, I got destroyed. I had to, uh, in full disclosure, once again, um, I lost a lot of money on Luna and uh, I, I had put a huge chunk of our kind of like savings into that project. And, uh, and I, and for the longest time, I looked like the smartest investor on the planet because it just right, kept going. Right. And even when it, even when it dipped, it still, I, I was able to buy those dips and it, and I just watch it go right back up. And I, again, just kind of, you know, pat myself on the back, Chad, you, your first year in crypto, like, man, you've killed it. You, uh, you've proven just, you know, how, how well we can do it all. Yeah. This. And then, uh, you know, and then of course, two weeks or whatever it was happened two weeks ago happened. Um, and I watched, I mean, at first I was just like buying the dip mode and I was like, this is awesome. This is great. Just wow. buying more, you know? And, and then at about like the $50 mark, I was like, dude, this feels really off. This is, mm. this is moving so quickly. Yeah. yeah, this is, this is wrong. And I wish that as soon as I had that like gut reaction that I would have sold everything, pulled it all out. But, um, but I didn't, I didn't do that until it went down to about $25. So I lost mm -hmm. about, uh, my average buy-in was probably about 50 bucks. So I lost about half of it. I, I basically mm -hmm. lost about $25,000 on that um, on that Luna trade and, uh, we're, well, that Luna hodl. Um, yeah. and, um, and so that, that night it was like a Monday, I think it was, a, I think I did that Monday morning or Monday afternoon and I sold all of it. And, uh, which I told myself I would never do. I was going to hodl Luna forever and, mm. uh, sold all of it. I moved, I, I thankfully had the foresight to move that money quickly out of um, where I had it in in uh, the Terra ecosystem, and I moved it over to KuCoin, and I transferred it into USDC because there was a lot of there was a lot of fud about USDT at the time, and like that was right. beginning to depeg, and so it just felt yep. like, crazy, like dude, dude. This, the whole world's about to come down, and and uh, maybe USDC will be the the one. But I, I swapped it back into Voyager um, where I knew I could very easily get it back. I could get it out of Voyager and back into a bank account. So because yeah. it just felt so like and then I watched it, you know, plummet from 25 to like, you know, 0, 0.00. And <laughs> yeah, man. And then I, and, you know, then I, I bought that dip because I was like, I'm going to put a hundred dollars. Why into not? Yeah. Luna, why <laughs> not? And now I own yeah. like three, you know, over three million old luna and uh and do you uh, anyway. do you own it on voyager uh, well i do but i don't else? yeah no i do own those i own the the old ones on voyager and so far they haven't they uh you can't do anything with it it's just like yeah stuck. that's what i was gonna say because i ended up buying buying a, a small bag too when it was well, I mean, it's still super low, but you know, at, yeah. at that super, like, you know, it's like 0. 0.000, whatever it is. Right. Um, and it's just, it's like stuck there. And I don't know if it'll, if it'll just ever open up because they, they've actually changed the name. Like it's like right. a Luna. Yeah. What is it? Luna classic now or whatever yeah. it is. So I don't know how all that works. Uh, it might just be, you know, it wasn't a lot of money. No, I don't, but, uh, it'll, in, I, in I'm, case, I'm but, confident they'll eventually figure it out. I don't know why it's taking them so long. Um, uh, but, uh, it, it, you know, it's just one of those things. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I guess now I'm kind of, I, with, with tears in my eyes, I, I admitted to my family that, uh, that I'd lost a lot of money, uh, on, on Luna and I felt really guilty. I felt really ashamed. 
I, you know, one of the, one of the reasons is for me, it's like, and this kind of ties, ties into the whole kingdom and like God, Jesus, how, you know, how I met Jesus and all that. And one, one of my dreams, which I know is not mine alone, but one of my dreams is, has been to use, to utilize crypto as a means of, of uh, kingdom advance. And so mm-hmm how do I help people all over the world that many of which I'm, I'm connected to in missions through, um, there, there, I mean, DeFi for a second there felt so promising, like yield mm-hmm. farming and all things. De- I mean, everything crypto for, for a season just was like, this is it. Like, this is how I will crack the code on yeah. supporting people in, in missions and supporting God's work around the world um, without having to go go become like a festival promoter that does 25 festivals a year, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. um, and so I think, I think that there was a lot of, there's, there was a lot of hope and a lot of kind of like dreaming and, and spiritual ambition tied up with the Luna as a project um, specifically because it was the one that made the most sense to me from a, from an entire ecosystem, how I could do that. And yeah, it's and that. So now I'm like, just back to the drawing board. I've had to re-surrender all that to God and just, just cry out to him. And, you know, first of all, apologize, you know, cause I feel like I, hmm. I lost, um, money that wasn't really meant. It wasn't really my, those weren't really my, they, like, yes, they were my funds. They, I wasn't borrowing money from someone, but I felt like those, like that specific project was, was meant for, for much greater, uh, purpose and use. And so it, it was like a double whammy of like, sure. You know, like a, sure. like a crypto one, two, you know, like, yeah, um, man, but, but man, I've, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm still here. I'm still, I, I'm probably more, uh, invested now than, uh, than ever. I started, uh, let's see, I started reading this book. I started, I, uh-huh. I, it'd be awkward for me to grab the other two, but there's two others that I'm reading that are much bigger. Um, and I, and I really have just kind of gone back to the place of, of wanting to learn and, uh, treating all this instead of uh, as a long-term investor, treating it as an, as a, um, as a variety of times, uh, trader, you know, kind of view. And so not, not to say that I'm not, uh, that I'm not interested in in holding some stuff longer term, but, but I will never, um, as long as it's up to me, hold on to something in the crypto market with, with the idea that this is going to forever go up. And I just think even though, even even though people can make the argument with Bitcoin that it, it might infinitely scale because of its um, depreciating, you know, like, uh, tokenomics and stuff. I, I still, I don't know. It's like, it's like you, you, you kind of yeah. have to find a perfect world in order for that kind of scenario to play out. And I don't think yeah. we're ever going to be in a perfect world that's free of war and that's yeah. free of inflation and that's free of chaos. And, mm-hmm. uh, and while I, I you know, I, I think Bitcoin's great. Um, it's hard. Sure. It's hard for me to imagine that you know by 2030, it's going right. to be worth a million dollars a right. token. So it's like, right, mm, maybe. Yeah. Well, like I think Luna proved that to us, right? That like ultimately you you can make all the predictions you want, but ultimately nobody knows because no, not a single person on the planet saw that coming. Other than maybe if there were people, you know, behind it pulling strings that actually are the ones responsible for for taking right. it or whatever for bringing it down but like no yeah. but no investors yeah. saw that coming like it, it no. just wasn't one of those things like no nobody thought that it was gonna be that catastrophic that quickly and so you know just one of those things it doesn't no one can predict this stuff and, and i think uh like you're saying i, I think <laughs> the 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 times when i've uh when i've lost the money it's probably because i was too attached to the particular project and just wanting to not wanting to let it go or you know wanting to hold yeah. on to it and not really not really thinking like an investor but but kind of having my 
my emotions a little bit too wrapped sure. up in it or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, so. absolutely. And dude, that yeah, that was me through and through with Luna. I loved that project. I loved the mm -hmm. the team. I loved all the the community. I, I it was just very um it was very easy to love and uh and it was uh yeah better than bur being buried in the ground that's for sure yeah i i did yeah. not get buried <laughs> in the ground so and, yeah. and i and i do know that somehow god's gonna bring a, a redemption story through all this i don't know exactly what that will look like or how exactly that will happen but um, um but yeah I'm, I'm excited to watch how you know how he does that yeah, man, absolutely. Well, man, shifting gears a little bit. I so I came across I came across your book. I didn't know that you had written a book, and it was oh, uh, I cool. guess a few years ago, right? But I came yeah. across your book, One Thousand Risks. Yep. Um, and uh, the subtitle there is "Fighting Fear for an Awesome, Awkward Life with Jesus." Uh, that's super cool. I I was um, so I started reading your book. I I literally just found it, and so I I haven't uh, been awesome. able to finish it yet. But uh, sure. but man, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. And I just want to say that 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 opening section where you kind of wrote that letter to people reading the book that are not necessarily Christ followers. Mm -hmm. um, I I felt like that was such a simple, honest, and beautiful way of presenting the gospel. Uh, it was it was just so cool because it was so from your heart. And you're such a real and just genuine and authentic guy anyway. And and the way that you talk and share about Jesus, you talk about him like he's a like he's a true friend. And I, yeah. I think I think most Christians would say that Jesus is is their friend. Like, you know what I mean? I think especially for people like me who grew up um, in the church, I grew up in children's church. And, you know, people ask me who my best friend was. I would say Jesus, you know, like that kind of thing. And uh, like, you know, we, we kind of have that in, ingrained in the way that we think about God and stuff like that. But True. when it comes to actually relating to Jesus in daily life, just in our walk with him and our relationship with him, I don't know how many uh, how many believers, how many of us actually relate to him that way. Like he really is our closest friend. And, and that he really looks at us that way as well, that we're that that we're his friends and that there's this friendship and and just daily intimacy. And I wonder, you know, how many how many believers miss out on that just because of maybe, you know, religious mindedness or some weird ideas or mm -hmm. condemnation or whatever it might be. And uh, I, I love the fact that, you know, even in when you're talking to. Uh, the, you know, in this section of the book where you're explaining this book is essentially written or geared toward people who have a relationship with God. But, you know, for anybody who's reading this that that doesn't or, you know, doesn't know the Lord yet, you know, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. And the way that you presented the gospel really just coming from your heart, I thought that it was so profound. It was so simple and it was so loving. It, it just came from this really just genuine place of love and compassion. And it, and as I'm reading, I'm like, you know what, if we, if God's people learn to present the gospel in this way, where it's real and authentic, and it's like, hey, um, I'm going to just kind of open the door for you to encounter the Lord for yourself, because he's going to show himself to you. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just think we would be able to attract so many more people. And so... Anyway, I just um, I'd love to get your backstory, man, and, and a little bit about how you met Jesus, um, because I'm sure that the way that that you met the Lord and you began this journey, this adventure with Jesus, as I call it, like the, the way that this kind of started for you, I would imagine that that has to do a lot with um, the way that you think about God mm -hmm. today and the way that you present him to other people, whether believers, non-believers whatever. And so can you share a little bit about just how you kind of got started on this journey of giving your life uh, to the Lord and giving your life away for the Lord? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I guess the the starting point is um, that it's easier to talk about crypto uh, than it is to talk about about Jesus uh, and, and going back because of the age in which we're alive, you know, the cultural uh, challenges all around us, the, the division that, that exists between people, uh, of faith and, and people who have either come out of faith or, um, no longer, you know, carry any, any kind of, um, Christian or spiritual label or just have, you know, have nasty, uh, nasty feelings, um, towards any, any kind of spiritual, uh, but especially Christian viewpoint. 
and I think it's, I guess it, it kind of, it does tie in and I'm sorry. I feel, I feel kind of guilty. I should have probably shared this with the Furnace Fest community after all, because we ended up talking a lot about Furnace Fest and, and this does tie in, but, but uh, anyway, <laughs> the, um, uh, I think that, that from the beginning, I grew up, uh, in a household that was with parents who were really committed to the gospel to the point where they were willing to move our family in the eighties, the early eighties overseas, uh, to, to work in full-time missions. And so I grew up as uh, a full-time missionary kid that lived mm. in the Caribbean and in uh, South America. And so it's weird because it's like, I, I don't, even though I grew up in that context, I think it's both like blessing and curse kind of come coming together because I, on one hand, it's like, I, I knew about, it's like, I, I, sh I should consider myself in insanely blessed because I knew about the story of Jesus and I knew about the Bible and I even read the Bible. And I went, like you said, I went to Sunday school. I did, I did some of that stuff, but then I, very quickly found myself running away from anything that spelled uh, faith or Christianity mm, in, in the slightest. Yeah. Um, and I found myself just, just not being able to connect with Christianity as, as a cultural expression um, and a communal expression, because I was kind of living in a, in a, missionary bubble. Uh, most of my friendships were either tied to that or somehow connected there. And I, I guess for, for whatever reason, it just, uh, yeah, I just struggled to, to see anything other than hypocrisy and mm. uh, judgmentalism and a, a critical um, kind of out outlook uh, on others and, and just didn't, it, none of it just seemed very inspiring, you know, to be honest, mm. it felt kind of, I don't know, just kind of whatever, uh, blah, but, but thankfully mm -hmm. even, even through all of that and especially, um, going down roads where I began exploring other religions and other, uh, perspectives and where I began realizing how much, drugs helped me, uh, just enjoy life and friends and everything, you know, and, and just kind of being a teenager. Um, I think through that it's, there's, there's still, I still came to a point where, where the narrative or the plot line of who Jesus is as the Bible describes him and his life on earth is what I couldn't get away from the, from the fact, and I still can't get away from the fact anytime I open up scripture and begin reading, I just have to say to WTF, like what human would have written this? Like, are you serious? <laughs> like I've read a lot of books and I, and that's, I, that's not to, I, I take that back. I've read a few books. Like I, I don't want <laughs> anyone to misconstrue what I just said. That's that could have come across as very arrogant and very, uh, kind of like, you know, like self-righteous, but I, I read a lot of books, you know, like, like I I'm have some, many I'm, leather bound yeah, books. I'm some Im impressive yeah. philosopher, professor working, working at Yale, you know, like, I don't even know where Yale sure. is, let, let alone, you know, could bro down with Dude, where is Yale philosopher. I think it's in the new England area, actually. I think it's, I think it's somewhere up there, but I don't know for sure. We should okay. Google it, but there's, um, there's a lot of smart people up there. I feel like, so it's probably, yeah, yeah. I do feel like they're like MIT, Yale, Harvard, all those places are, sound cool, but I don't really know exactly yeah. where they're at. The old but, part of America. Yeah. Yeah. Old, old yeah. America. But, uh, anyway, all that, all that to say, um, no matter what book I've read, I've never come across a book that's read like the Bible and mm. that what was, it just messed with me. You know, it was like the story of Jesus is one that I've never encountered in any other religion or any other philosophy or any other ideal. And it's so hard. Like, like the story of Jesus is so challenging. It's like, it, it it's like, you know, people think, okay, I think one of the struggles that Christianity has right now is that 
is that we are, we are the anti everything, you know, we're like the anti, we don't, we don't like, we don't like this. We don't like that. We don't, you know, we're just like point out any number of issues in culture. And we're pretty much like, yep, don't do that. Uh, we don't, we don't yeah. back that. We don't support that. Um, and while biblically that we have, we have a strong case maybe for any or all the above, no matter what the, the kind of the, the hot, hot topic, hot button is, um, I think that if we actually go deeper, Jesus isn't just calling out lifestyles or points of view or uh, he, he's like calling out the deepest part of the human core and saying at, at the, at the, like uh, the essence of everything that you are is helpless and, mm. and void of hope and, it, it, incapable or incapable of recognizing how much potential you have, even, no matter how much you think you get it. And so I guess to, I just, man, I was challenged by scripture. Yeah. And I was challenged by his story. <laughs> and, and even though there's, you know, like 1000 risks as a book, it's, it's a challenge because, because there's a chapter, which you you've likely not gotten to yet that deals with my addiction to pornography and my ad addiction mm -hmm. to lust. And I'm convinced dude, now, now having written that book, uh, years ago, five, I don't know, maybe five years ago now, but uh, a few years ago, I think I said 2017 yeah. was the, it was released. Okay. Yeah. That's sounds. Yeah, I was so. going to say that. Yeah. So five years, that sounds right. Um, even though when I wrote it, I had no idea that I would embark on a journey that would bring me the closest I ever have to leaving my faith in Jesus. Um, hmm. I, I, so I, I feel, I feel yeah. a little bit of, you know, kind of embarrassment and a little bit of awkward, my own awkward, because I, I wish I was the author that could say, dude, I wrote the super inspiring spiritual book and hmm. everybody loved it and changed their lives because of it. <laughs> and, and yet I've struggled more with faith in the last few years than ever before. But, mm. but there's a chapter that I wrote. I'm, I, what I am super thankful about yeah. is that God gave me grace to be transparent and that's a gift he's given me. And I, and I know that, and I don't want to, I don't want to abuse it, but I also don't want to not use it. I don't, I don't want to be me. You know, I don't want to like pretend put on a pretend Chad. Cause I know that that doesn't help anybody and that's not true yeah, for man. either. Yeah, um, it's huge. so I wrote, I wrote a book on, on pornography and lust and how much lust has held me back from, mm. uh, spiritual growth, but all, but really just, I would say emotional development, uh, relational connection, all, all kinds of, of areas. And maybe one day, I don't know for sure, but I think one day I'm going to find out that God used those pages more than any other specifically to bless and minister to my life by mm. causing readers who came across that chapter to just pause. Maybe, maybe they just said a split second, like, God, please help this guy. Like, like, man, this guy's hurting and we can see, we can feel the hurt coming off the pages so help him. That's, uh, you know, yes. that's my, uh, my sneaky, my, my hunch is that there's a Holy Spirit ambush that was, that was dropped upon me by, by way yeah, of, of all the readers that just were like, you know, God, please help him. And, uh, yeah. and so I, so I, um, I've been through and I still am a part of a SA group where I'm, I'm actively a part of recovering from uh, sex, uh, sexaholics anonymous is what SA stands for. Uh, but it's, it, it's a group that helps people overcome addiction. And, and I learned through all this that, that I've been an addict that I've been, that my drug of choice has not been alcohol. I, I actually still enjoy alcohol in moderation and I would drink a beer or a couple of beers or a nice cocktail with anybody, anytime, any place, anywhere. And, and not, for a second think what if i had six maybe i right. should just get plastered you know but yeah that that's not like to pat myself on the back like yay i'm a i'm a great social drinker and uh i could i could uh you know really 
enjoy a double IPA with the best of them uh, and not take it over the top. It's, it's like, it's really just to say that that wasn't that point of potential problem mm-hmm. area wasn't the one for me that, that hung me up, but the female body and objectifying female bodies specifically mm. through um, the use of pornography or, or even um, mental visual stimulation and fantasy and uh, allowing myself to, to drink in like what we would call in recovery, drinking in uh, a beautiful person who is not mind to consume. You know, yeah. it's, I'm violating that right. person and right. their dignity and, and their beauty, even if they're the, the hottest person on the planet, whoever for each of yeah. us, the hottest person on the planet is, it, it's still wrong. I believe, um, not only from a biblical standpoint, but even as a human standpoint to, yeah. to objectify them. And, uh, and I spent 30 plus years objectifying people that I, of course, Mm. you know, you, most of some people that I knew, but most of people I didn't. And it was just such an ingrained part of my behavior that I didn't even think about. I didn't, I didn't even think twice about the fact that I was looking twice. Like one of the, one of the phrases I love in recovery the most is that the first look is on God and the second look is on (laughs) you. And it's, it's, you know, it's like you see someone that you find attractive, um, and you can't help but observe that they're attractive, you know, and that's fine. It's, it is, they are who they are and they can't, you know, they don't need to go change their, uh, you know, their, their hairstyle or their body type or their clothing or whatever, because you, uh, have an issue, you know, it's like, right. It's like, that's not their problem. You're the problem. Right. So it's like recognizing that I'm the problem and, uh, no one else at this table of life has the issue. I'm the issue and I've got to deal with me and I've got to deal with my, my, um, Mm -hmm. uh, distractions and my hangups and my addictions. And so, so, so from that point of writing, um, 1000 risks. I had no clue. I, I envisioned when I wrote that book that God was going to launch me into a multi decade, uh, massive, like Billy Graham meets Todd white style, like global evangelism. Just, I just thought, man, we're like, we're going to take the world by storm in, in being able to reach people one person at a time just by loving them and caring for them and going above and beyond to treat them exceptionally well uh, and and modeling Jesus for them. And little did I know that, that actually the book was going to be like my, uh, I don't know, like my recipe or God's recipe for heart surgery, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, it's interesting, man. There, and there, there's, there's so much um, that I want to circle back to and what you said. I'll, I'll see how many things I can, I can uh, remember to, to touch back on. But, but no, man, it's so good. First of all, and I appreciate you sharing, and I, I, I appreciate your just transparency and, and the way that you are just open about this and about your struggle because I really think that, um, that that's it's it's helpful man it's helpful for people mm-hmm. to know that they're not alone you know yeah um it's so helpful for people to know that there's other people that have you know struggled with the things that they're struggling with and and i think back and and uh, it was it was a number of years ago i mean i was a teenager at the time but i struggled with what i consider at the time i didn't know of course but i i, I do look back and i consider it to be a pornography addiction i don't think mm. it was just a a pastime i think it was yeah. something that had control over my life because you know, i remember being like sitting in school and the whole time i'm sitting there i'm just like the only thing i'm thinking about is getting home and what i'm going to look at on the computer oh, and like you know what i'm going to do and it, and it was very yep. controlling to the point where i loved the lord and i had a relationship with god but i had this other aspect of my life where i felt like it was it like i couldn't i couldn't just break it and and as much as i tried on my own to just say no like i'm like i'm not going to do that i know it's wrong i'm not supposed to do that i would always find myself just being pulled back you know into into that into that place and uh you know i i do feel like there was um there was definitely an an addictive pattern there Uh, uh but also as you were 
you know, you were sharing from your from uh, from your perspective on how Jesus really became uh, real to you. That that I guess there was something where you had you know grown up in a in a very you know gospel centered home, and you were a missionary kid and all of that. But there was a lot of stuff that to your perception just seemed like it wasn't really authentic and it was more maybe it was more i don't i can't remember exactly how you said this if you said it like this or not but um there was more maybe emphasis on the things you can't do um and uh you know that that kind of thing and i think a lot of times in the body of christ like we can we can make our relationship with god so much about the do's and the don'ts you know And there's something that I really wanted to circle back to because I wrote it down because I, I, it was, it was really powerful to me. You made this statement in your book. You said, Jesus isn't threatening hell. So you'll embrace him. He's embracing you so that you'll threaten hell. Mm. And I was like, yo, that is a, that is a seriously powerful statement because so often we have this mindset that because we're going through something, because we're struggling with something, a sin issue, and a, you know whatever it is, that because we're dealing with something, that God is like threatening us, mm-hmm. uh, or that God is upset with us, God's unhappy yeah. with us. Man, like I can't tell you how many years of my life I spent feeling like I was constantly losing my Same. salvation because of thoughts going through my head, because of stuff that I was looking at, because of words that were coming out of my mouth, because of bad behavior, because of different things. And, um, and it was craziness because the whole time I had a love for God throughout the whole process, but I was, I feel like I would run and hide from God because I was so concerned about this other side of things, feeling like incorrectly feeling like God was upset with me because I was struggling with something that I couldn't control or that I even even that I you know that I wasn't ready to release sure. fully or that I was just you know struggling with or didn't know how to process or whatever but it was like anything short of perfection to me just felt like God's angry with you and so I had this mentality that God is cruel that God is frustrated that God's mad that God's got his arms folded and he's just got his back toward me or he's angry that was my paradigm of my heavenly father for such a long time and it shifted kind of it wasn't like a one day to the next kind of thing but but gradually it shifted as I began to recognize you know scriptures in the bible that talk about the face of God shining down on us and you know his joy and the the favor of his face that that's toward us and and uh you know i started to look at my heavenly father not in a way that i'm considering him angry with me all the time because i didn't do life perfectly but that his his love and his affection and his joy and his favor and his grace is actually toward me that i belong to him and his his desire to root those things out of my life that are not honoring to him it's not because he's trying to take my fun away it's not because he's he's mad at me because i'm doing those things it's because he wants me to experience freedom he wants me to experience more of him and ultimately at the end of the day these things they they hold me back and they keep me in bondage and they they keep me in 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 a place where i'm not experiencing the fullness of what god has for me and Mm -hmm. so Anyway, man, I just oh, wanted I to say I, I appreciate you so much for sharing. And uh, yeah, man, like g- getting a little bit um, deeper into that conversation on pornography addiction, I-, I feel like in just in things that I've read recently, it seems to me that even in secular settings that it's becoming more and more accepted or mainstream to call pornography addiction a thing. Do, do you think that that's the case? I don't know if that's across the board. Like, is it something that's been accepted as something that's actually an addiction, yeah, that an it's addiction. a problem, or do you think that it's, you know, not really there yet? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to, to know how we would define who deems uh, lust an addiction, you know, like, cause I, I think that in, on one hand, I think if you ask like an average person younger person on the planet with a with a smartphone if they Mm. thought that viewing something on Pornhub or some other you know pornographic site what was addictive and if the 
the behavior of self-sex that comes along with viewing that material, if, if that was addictive behavior, I'm pretty sure that, uh, although, you know, again, this is kind of just an assumption, but my assumption is that they, they just kind of laugh at you. Like, what do you mean it's right. addictive? I do think from more of like a medical or like a psychological field vantage point that, that it's very, the, the research is extremely clear that pornography use is even more addictive than cocaine use. So, I mean, mm. it, you know, it's like if, if all of our phones had little lines of Coke that we could somehow access for a quick hit, uh, how long would it take for us to just be like, yo, Coke's cool. Like, I mean, yeah, right. there's some side effects, yeah. but it's right here. Like I love right. Coke so, and, uh, yeah makes me feel good, you know, and it kind of takes away my, my, you know, hard, hard life or whatever mm. it helps me medicate. So I think, I think that the, I think in the Christian world, it's that we would probably all answer that we know pornography is bad because Jesus said, you know, not to look, look lustfully upon a, a woman. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, there's a lot of, you know, so many, so many Bible passages and scripture that talk about, lust and, um, uh, and, and not necessarily pornography, uh, or self-sex, um, you know, specifically, but address the topic of, of sexual immorality repeatedly. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, yeah. Pro oh, go ahead. No, 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 you know, you're good. I, I, I was gonna, um, just as a follow-up, like what, what are, what do you think is, um, some of the the results of of that that become particularly destructive so if you know somebody who is addicted to pornography or maybe we don't even necessarily uh, yeah i don't know where you draw the line between this is just something that i do and this is an addiction like i don't know where that, that i'm sure that line's yeah. blurry it's not a day and night kind of thing but uh, you know, what, what, what are some of the, the things that come out of it, that the way that it actually affects somebody's life, um, whether you want to share from your experience or just from, you know, what you've seen by, um, kind of, you know, diving into some of this stuff, the, the destruction that hap that can happen in somebody's life as a result. Yeah. I mean, I guess a combination of my own life and, and the lives mm -hmm. of, of people that I, that I journey with, uh, I, I know that I, I think the greatest, for me, probably the greatest curse that lust has uh, delivered to me is is an inability to be and feel present and fulfilled in relationship. So, especially wow. with those closest to me, because because any any and it kind of tied to that, it prevents me from feeling emotionally and expressing emotionally everything that's, that's under the hood of my heart. And so in, in, in my marriage, in my family, in my closest relationships, it's similar to what you described. It's like, it's so easy for me to be in my mind fantasizing over some scene that I, that I, that turns me on or some, mm -hmm. uh, thing that I, that, you know, some person I'd like to be with, um, versus being able to fully engage in a, in a healthy and normal way, uh, with the people I love most without kind of like having, like being at the movie theater of the mind at the same time, you know, that that's yeah. how I would argue yeah. it works. It's like, I'm at the, the different, I, I do think it's possible for someone to occasionally view pornography and not necessarily have an addiction to it. I, the, mm -hmm. the commitment that I've made and that, that people within SA have made is, is to with, with, withstand, withstain. I don't know why I'm struggling with that word. Abstain. But, abstain. Thanks. I was like, I know that there's not, this is not coming out. The, my inner Harvard is just not working right now. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> abstain from viewing pornography, abstain from self-sex and abstain from, from living in a place of fantasy. 
And, uh, mm. and that doesn't mean anybody does it well. It doesn't mean anyone's perfect at it. Nobody is, but that's, that's the goal. You know, it's like the goal is to live life without requiring the drink that is lust. Um, mm -hmm. so I think, I mean, I, I know of friends who have lost their marriages. I, I nearly lost my marriage over this. Um, thankfully I, wow. in the end did not, and I have, have seen God reckon, completely reconcile my marriage and reignite mm. a genuine love uh, affair between me and, and my mm. wife, Beth. And yeah. I've seen him restore my family um, and give me grace with, with my kids and uh, friendships and all, all that. I've seen him re reconstruct all that. But I know that there are many cases where that's not the outcome. Like I, my my kind of like addiction story has a really pleasant outcome. But for many people, I know I personally know of someone who's in jail for six years related to this. Uh, I know of, of stories of people who have committed suicide related to this, of um, people do, doing, uh, I mean, the, the level, like, like we call, we call within, within SA, we, we call, the we call the addiction the like the disease of insanity because it really is what mm. it is like some of the things that when mm. you begin and I, i'm not at liberty to share ind individual personal stories from other people sure. but some of the stuff that you hear you're just like dude holy i mean like you did what like you did that and you know and then and then you have to pause and be like wait but but what have i done like oh man right. like i've done some crazy stuff too and like the the, the, the level of risk that some, some of us, myself included have, have been willing to go, uh, like, like the, it's just, it's almost like we're unable or unable, incapable of seeing the edge of the cliff that we're just like walking along. Like it's yeah. like we're on a sunny summer path in uh, just frolicking in, in the English countryside, you know, with, with the yeah, queen man. and hanging out yeah. with everybody, you know, it, it, just like, there's no worries in the world. It's just smoking a pipe right. with CS Lewis, you know, wandering, wandering <laughs> through the British countryside, drinking a, a, a mild, mild <laughs> ale at the local pub, you know, it just, everything's great, man. man it's you, like right there. You get, an, like, you get an A plus for analogies. That was yeah, awesome. Thanks dude. There's a cliff. There's, you know, I want to call it a fucking cliff. Cause that's what it is. Uh -huh. Like, the, like, yeah. like, ugh, like if only we could understand, like, dude, you're going to die. Like you are going to yeah. fall off this thing and you're going to die. But instead we're just like, ah, oh, you know, just like having the time of our lives. And I think that was me. It's like, and, and I think God had to shake me and, and humble mm. me and bring me to a, to a, point lower than I've ever been because I was so, I, I was in danger of death. And thankfully the, the mercy and the grace of the gospel is that he took death for me, not just the eternal permanent hell versus heaven kind of death, but also the, the temporal and still super important right now kind of death. And so I'm here, I'm alive, I'm smiling. I'm uh, regretting the fact that I called the cliff a bad word, you know, cliff, uh, but, but I'm alive, you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, you're going to, you might have to edit it depending on your audience, but, but Hey, I'd rather, I'd rather get someone's attention, you know, if that's what it took and, uh, yeah. the, you know, and be real than, than, uh, whatever. But, um, but I just think for me, it's like, God, God gave me a fresh opportunity to see, to have the awareness that I was, I was on the edge and I was like Dan said, I, I was, a, I was buried in the ground and mm. I was dying, you know, slowly the air wow. was being sucked out of my lungs Well, wow. and, and I was allowing it to be sucked out of my lungs. I was like, this feels great. Having the air sucked out of my lungs feels great. I love this feeling, you know, as long as I'm sexually stimulated, this is a great feeling. Yeah. Um, and that's how perverted the, the disease is. Wow, man. Well, hey, listen, it's uh, we're coming up on an hour and I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I really appreciate you for sharing just to kind of maybe end on a little bit of a uh, of a, of a, a happier, note. a happier. Note. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> you... again, like I I'm I'm 
I, I love this, man. I love, I love what, what you're sharing and it's super helpful, but, um, you know, just to kind of, yeah. And on a little bit of a, of a positive note, like yeah. what do you, cause I know that you, I know that you work with people through addiction recovery and you, and you journey with people and, uh, and you know, you've been on your own journey as well, but like, what, what would you say to people, to somebody who is struggling, whether it's with a porn addiction or any other kind of addiction, um, what's something that you like to remind people? And even as like, you know, for somebody that might be dealing with something that they, they don't see a way out or they don't see how they, mm -hmm. you know, I know it gets very overwhelming when you look at where you want to be in relation to where you are now. And you can say there's like 87,000 steps that I need to take just to get there. And we can look at that and be totally overwhelmed. And I think that feeling of overwhelmed, that feeling of hopelessness, it leads to more of just kind of perpetuating the cycle that we're in. You know, when you develop that state of hopelessness to say, I can't figure out how to get myself out of this. I've tried so many times. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've been prayed for this many times or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And I, and I can't seem to break the cycle so you can, I think, eventually settle into a state of despair where you just say, I'm going to I'm not even going to try, you know, it's kind of sure. like throw your hands up, forget about it and just let yeah, becomes, life happen to you at that point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so just what's something then that you like to, to either say or share with people or something like that to just kind of maybe help them shift their perspective a little bit from the despair of where they are to recognizing that there is hope. Yeah, that's good, man. I appreciate you you bringing that up. I think one of the one of the challenges when you when when you've gone through years of recovery is that it's it's too easy to kind of stay there. But that's not that's only there to help. I think each of us understand how significant our stories are and how much God this this is the greatest work of God to redeem people from destruction, to take them from the edge of the cliff and actually put them on a path that is the British countryside, you know, like the, that, that <laughs> yeah. is, uh, that is his plan. That is what he does. And he's, he's willing to allow us to, to get extremely close to the edge, which is, which is really just our own, um, uh, lack of judgment, uh, that, that he's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I will let you execute lack of judgment, uh, but I'm going to help you. And what I'm what I care about most is, is helping you become whole and, and to be restored. And so there, there is hope. There's all, I mean, my story is 100% a story of hope. Uh, but it's also been, it's been a very, very hard, very hard road. And it is, uh, recovering from an addiction or, or from a mental uh, condition or depression or any kind of emotional struggles or trauma or, you know, any, yeah. anything that happens to people that where we've been hurt, you know, and, and are kind of struggling through the process of what it means to be healed again is to me, the reason why the gospel is true. It's the reason why Jesus matters because there's the possibility, not only the possibility, but the probability of a restoration turnaround in our lives um, that we could never have produced on our own. And mm. so I guess if it's, you know, if it's, if it's someone specifically dealing with this issue, um, essay, essay.org is a great resource. And, uh, and I would encourage whether it's this issue or anything else to, to begin by reaching out to others and finding even one other person that you can confide in and that you can entrust with your story. And then maybe that, maybe that grows into someone else or maybe it, maybe it becomes a, a therapist, maybe it becomes a group, maybe it, you know, uh, ends up being many people, but uh, starting somewhere and not, not keeping your, the worst or what you hate most about yourself to yourself. Because um, in the end, I think the things that we hate most about ourselves is what God tends to use loudest to, to reach others, you know, to connect with others. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. There, there's, there can be so much stigma, I think, attached to struggles and addictions and things like that, that can cause us to just kind of keep it to ourselves and not be open and honest and not share it with somebody that, that can help us and not wanting to admit, you know, weakness. And, yeah. uh, and there's so much strength in 
just in that there's so much strength in admitting weakness you know what i mean like there's so much sure. strength in, in just saying whether it's confiding in a friend as you said or getting you know maybe more formal help from a you know from a therapy or from a group an organization like sa or something like that that you're talking about but yeah just um I would just encourage anybody like however that looks for you that's something that you have to work out you know in your life but um but don't be don't be bogged down by by that by the stigma of you know admitting that you are struggling or you know what are people going to think of me or does this mean that I'm a failure if I if I admit this because it's just simply not and there's definitely times and I, obviously, I love when this happens, where it's just a supernatural, like immediate kind of a, a shift and a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely possible, where God sure. can just take that thing, take that desire, that addiction's just like supernaturally broken in an instant. But even if it's a process of walking it out, which I think is is the process that most people, the majority of people end up walking through, even when it's a process, it's still supernatural. It's still the relying on the grace of God through that through that process. And um, whether it's in, in an instant or if it takes years, just know that the grace of God is available to you and he's there for you and he fights for you, not against yeah. you because you're struggling with something. And uh, ultimately, he just wants you to be free. So, yeah, yeah 100 well, well said. Mr. Johnson, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I'd still I'd still love to do it again at some point, man. I just really enjoy talking to you and I appreciate your heart, your openness and transparency and honesty. And um, I just love it, man. I think that it's so helpful for for just for for people, man. I really do. I think it's really helpful. And and I just appreciate your just boldness and bravery in the way that you um, are open about about your own life and and all of that. So. Um, well, yeah, it's, a, it's an honor, bro. And I, I, it's it, thankfully we we get to have a conversation that others might find something good, you know, in. But it it's it's an encouraging and uplifting conversation for my own soul, if nothing else. So that to me, that's like it's worth it, regardless of what God does with it from here. And uh, and yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and taking the time. And I'm excited to now never look at a furnace fest poster the same way. So right. our, our, yeah, our furnace fest, uh, you know, a little, <laughs> a little a flyer or something. I'm going to, I'm going to forever be like, Oh wow, there's Duke. <laughs> That's incredible. It is pretty amazing uh, though, because there's there out of all these people, you can really only see two faces and one of these right. two faces is yours, you know? Yeah, that other dude. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know who that other guy is. You can see his face a, a little bit more clearly than mine. But uh, yeah, he's but... he's pretty happy. He's pretty happy that he's not. He's not. He's not getting smashed by somebody right now. Is what it looks like. And dude, I could tell that's from that's from Beloved's uh, set. I could tell oh, based on yeah. where I'm standing and what I'm okay. wearing. Like I I know I, that was that's from uh, the Beloved set. So you're like that <laughs> was at, dope. that was at nine nineteen on Saturday night yeah. at Beloved. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Absolutely, man. Well, I love you, bro. Thank you, thank you again yeah. for having me. Love you too, man. No, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming by, and uh, thank you everybody for taking the time to check out this conversation. Appreciate you guys. If the content was a blessing to you, or maybe challenged you, or helped you think, or something like that, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, I'd really, really appreciate that. Chad, just before we end, is there uh, are there anything, any websites or social media or anything like that that you'd point people to? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, I guess just you don't furnace, have to. Furnace, just... <laughs> yeah, furnace furnacefest.us for all things furnace fest and then um so for people who are interested in the book just amazon.com for and then yes. 1000 risks. But um yeah, I'm not very I'm not very active on the social media side of things unfortunately, so um uh, yeah, I would. It's it kind of yeah. feels funny to be like, go to my Instagram, go follow me on Facebook, and <laughs> it's but I'm kind of and then crickets. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crickets. No, it's all good, man. I appreciate that. All right, yeah. man. Take it easy. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you, Duke.